Howdy, folks. Welcome to We'll See You in Hell, your favorite podcast about horror, sci-fi, and fantasy films, and sometimes, let's be honest, other genres that we just decide to squeeze in. Now, you might be wondering why I'm delivering the intro with these pauses today. It's because I realized... Just now, if you do it that way, you don't have to talk as much (laughs) for the entire show. It eats up a nice Christ Almighty. We're at uh, 40 seconds already. I'm still in the intro. Even if this is what you're doing, I don't know if I would tell them that's what you're doing. (laughs) It it feels a little lazy, a kind of a low energy to start the show off. I am a little lazy. Okay. I'm a little lazy. I also think I'm a little teapot. (laughs) Short, stout. Maybe not stout, but short. You know? Mm -hmm. Stout means fat? Is that what stout means? Stout is like... uh, Round? Like if stocky's a nice word for fat, stout is a nice word for stocky. Stout means like barrel-chested kind of. Okay. Like like strapping. So Shirley Temple was talking about her chest size when she sang that song? Her bust, yes. That's disturbing. I never knew that. Her little bust. Okay. That's enough. Pat, how how are you, Pat? Uh I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh we're talking today about the movie Firestarter, so I'd like to get on with the show and at the same time on with the Joe's the Firestarter. Joe's the Firestarter. <laughs> Remember Prodigy? I do. Was that even the right melody? I barely remember that Yeah, no, that was it. Liquid Firestarter. Liquid Firestarter. You know, for a band named Prodigy, some of the dumbest fucking music I've ever heard in my life. Real stupid. I feel like the lead singer was like, looked like Pinhead. Is that correct? Maybe he did a video where he was dressed as Pinhead? No, he looked like, he looked like a Hot Topic jizzed all over his face. Yeah. That's basically what he looked like. He had like a weird, like, he had a haircut like the guy that answers the door at the Emerald City yes. in Wizard of Oz. And then he had a bunch of shit in his face, like a bunch of piercings and stuff. Um, what was their other song? Smack My Bitch Up smack, was one. Smack My Bitch Up. Smack My Bitch Up. Yeah. What was the like original that. single? The big original single, though? Firestarter and, and the, that Firestarter. one were later, weren't they? Firestarter, Smack My Bitch Up. Those were two hits. That's it? That's all I remember. I thought they had a third. A third. I bet you they have like 18 fucking albums, man. And we only know those two songs. Well, maybe those prodigy heads out there can give us a shout out. Now, do you think our fans would... And hang your head in shame (laughs) while you're at it. Do you picture our fans as prodigy fans? I think so. There's there's some overlap. (laughs) There's some overlap. There probably is. When we talk '90s rock, it brings out these people. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call them '90s rock. 
Prodigy, I mean. Prodigy? 2000s? Well, they're not rock. They're like Dance. industrial, whatever Electronic. that shit was back then. It was like right when it was like right when everybody thought Nine Inch Nails was awesome. I fucking hate Nine Inch Nails. You know, I tried to convince myself at three different times in my life that I enjoyed them, and I don't. It sucks. <laughs> and I then finally, it. I was like, "All right, I'm going to sit down with this downward spiral, and really lean into it, experience the emotions." I barely made it through this thing. All the albums are 75 minutes long. Yeah, he's whining like a bitch. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple good cuts. I like Fuck You Like an Animal. The Closer, it's called. Yeah. I saw him at uh, a festival, and I left early. You know. He's he's a talented guy. I mean, the scores he does for things are usually really good. Yeah. He did the score. Well, he, he did, works with another guy when he does them, but, you know, he did the score for The Social Network, and it was very good. But uh, his music is... Oh my God! Head like a hole, yeah. Uh, down in it, yeah. What's the one that goes? Wait, that's a Stevie Wonder song, I believe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but there's a song that kind of yeah, goes that's like definitely that. Definitely not Nine Inch Nails. There's there's the one that goes. You're, you're doing superstition. <laughs> Did not maybe Nine Inch Nails covered superstition? Is that what I'm thinking? No. Of? Definitely not. Um, what's your take on, while we're talking about this, here's another real polarizing band with people. Okay. What do you think of the Red Hot Chili Peppers? I thought we talked about them on here. Did we? I mean, maybe. They, A, he's heavily auto-tuned. So Is when he? you see him live, they auto-tune every note, especially on their two good albums, the... Californication, and by the way, the one after it, which I don't think would be good if I listened to them again. And Blood Sugar Sex Magic I liked at a time. Can't listen to those songs now. Oh, God, what trash, like that yeah. funk rap. Tra- Ugh. And when you see them live, the man cannot sing to save his life. He's a terrible singer. So he's got these songs with these great melodies, and he's not hitting them at all because they were written by other members of the band or Frusciante or whoever else. You know, I see him, and I think I, I, every time I see Kivas in like an interview or something, I go, I, I, I want to like this guy. And then I realize it's just because he looks like Justin Long, and it's my affinity for Justin Long that I'm feeling. Sure. Just like the drummer looks exactly like Will Ferrell, and it makes you think not you, Will want, you want to like him. Yeah. I want to go on record, by the way, saying I was the first person to notice that. Long before it was ever a That's thing. That's probably not true, John. I think it was true. I just didn't have the uh, I didn't have the outlet, sure. the platform to get it out there. But I do believe I thought of it before anybody. Somebody else maybe. Nobody said the Justin Long thing. I'll tell you that much. It's true. I don't. I don't see it as much. Oh, look at look at the two of them. They look like identical. It's weird. All right. Now, Kiedis now with like his bob cut and the mustache. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. He's trying to be Iggy Pop. Oh. Trying to age like Iggy Pop. Well, I mean, he is, he's aging very well. Aging he's very well. not going to be Iggy Pop. No. Well, maybe he will for some people. I, I, I don't know. There's no accounting for taste, you know? You know, I've never agreed with that. I think there is. <laughs> I think there is. Some people okay. have bad taste. That's true. Well, what know? does that expression mean? There's. It means you can't like, say things are bad and good taste? 
because no, everyone's taste like, is it's subjective. Saying, it's saying like, hey, you can't, you know, you can't account for taste. You can you can never tell what people are gonna like. Okay. You know, it's people like what they like. You know, regardless of what you think. And I have a problem with that expression. Yeah, I some think taste some is people bad. need to be reprimanded for what they like. I don't disagree with that. Well, I'd hope you didn't. Yeah, no. You know, you'd say we have the same taste then when it comes to this subject. Uh, yeah, Joe. <laughs> Pat, <laughs> just trying to pull something out of you over there. I'm here. I know you're here. I'm here. Uh, What's going on in your life, Joe? The latest is we went to the It's Always Sunny premiere. Yes, we went last night. By the time this comes out, it's going to be. Oh, yeah. A while, but. Uh, I was overserved. The new season looks to be fantastic. We saw the first two episodes. Really Both great. very funny. Really great. Re- well, you guys have probably seen them by now, so you yeah. know. They were really funny. The first containing, I'm just going to come out and say it, a truly awful performance by Mindy Kaling that I think is just, she was unquestionably bad on it. And yeah. I was a little shocked at how big her role was in the episode. I uh, was very relieved it was not some sort of arc. And they, I mean, not to spoil anything, even though the episode's aired, she's gone by the end of it. But, I mean, she brought zero comedic chops. She didn't sell a joke. She looked like she was struggling to remember her lines visibly in takes. I, I, I'm it was hap- embarrassing. I'm happy to hear you say it, because when, when we were watching it, I thought I was being too judgy. And then yeah. as soon as you said it, I was like, no, right? She's, like, bad in it. Like, it bad. Like I don't know how she like, had a show for so long. I mean, I guess maybe she put more effort into her own show. I don't know. She must Maybe have. she was stressed. I think she just had a kid or something, so maybe yeah. that was – maybe she was just, like, I don't overworked. Like, on The Office, she was funny. I mean, she wasn't – didn't have to exhibit a great deal of range, I guess, but I, I, was, I was pretty shocked by it. I don't know. She just seemed like she wasn't present or something. I don't yeah. know. Uh, which, but I will say this, and we can we can talk freely now because again the episode's already aired, and this is a spoiler. Her awful performance made yeah. the return of Dennis Reynolds all the more glorious. Like when it he was great, came it was a very, very end, nice moment. Yeah, and basically like removes her from the gang mm-hmm. and takes his mantle up again. It, it was pretty fantastic. It was. The uh, yeah, when he replaces the sex doll, the theater we were at applauded and rightly so. It was delightful. Now, do you? Uh, my theory is that you don't like Mandy K- Mindy Kaling because you originally had a Kickstarter called the Patty Project, <laughs> where that's right. You were trying to find love online and stuff, and then you felt that they took that idea from you and kind of ran with it. Yeah, I mean. I see a lot of similarities between the two of us, <laughs> our upbringings, and I think she borrowed liberally from that childhood of mine for okay. hers, for her own. Um, I I don't know. I don't know enough about her to have a strong opinion. I know she was bad in this episode of television. I don't have a strong opinion either. I just thought she wasn't very good in the episode. Yeah. But I love but both I, I, episodes. She didn't. Yeah. She wasn't enough to ruin it. I will say this, though, too. I feel bad for people that guest star on that show because they're so overshadowed yeah. 
people love, including myself, you love the regular characters so much. Yeah. And they've got such a tight rhythm and they just they know how to do it with each other. And it's like when you throw somebody else into the mix, it often sticks out. When they had Jason Sudeikis on, he wasn't bad, but it but he didn't make me laugh. And I feel like a lot of that had to do with the fact that I'm like, I don't care about Jason Sudeikis on this show. Right. I like him otherwise. So maybe I would feel the same way about Mindy otherwise. I, I mean, the Mindy project really wasn't meant for me. No. It wasn't really geared towards a guy like me. It's not Charles in Charge. I like Charles in Charge. I know. And I'm, n- I'm not going to apologize for it anymore. All right. All right. What are the stories? He's going on hot dates. The kids have homework problems he cares about those damn kids and he puts them in front of himself quite often are they getting bullied sometimes Uh, no but he's he's sort of the glue of the household has to remind them who's in charge he's the glue of the household and he's got pressure from the parents to not fuck up with the kids okay he's got pressure from the kids to be cool and let them slide on stuff he's getting it from all sides yeah but he but the, but everybody loves him. Yeah. But he sort of is running this household and keeping the peace and the balance going between everybody. That's why it's called Charles in Charge. Now, Willie Ames comes in. Sure. More or less showing a boner through his pants every fucking week. Uh, he's the one that comes in like, we got to go bang these Asian stewardesses I just <laughs> met, you know? Uh, Does he say Asian? I, I I wouldn't be surprised if okay. he did, but I mean, right. it gets he gets pretty specific about like what the women do for a living, okay. where he met them, yeah, how much he wants to have sex with them. It's it's it's. But much... Is he like really a virgin? Deep down, no, or, or he's do just like he's... he's just like his dumbass friend. He gets it done. As far he as lays, I know, he lays the pipe. Charles, I think, is more of a of a sought after ladies man. That, but he's yeah. responsible. Buddy's more of a of a of a hungry ladies' man, but right. uh, but he's less responsible. I'm listening to the audiobook of the game, not not to use its techniques to meet women, but just because it's a memoir, which I didn't really realize. It's not like a like a guide to pick up chicks. It's like about this society. Yeah. So I f- I'm finding it interesting. It's a gross book. It's like the dirt, the uh, Motley Crue book, just makes you feel very unclean. But I'm enjoying it, and Scott Bayo just made an appearance because Mystery and one of his protégés went up and got Scott Bayo's girlfriend's number as a challenge. I think you're drifting a little off the mic. Just be careful. All right. Yeah. That's fine. We can keep going. All right. I like to let the people here behind the curtain a little bit. Uh, maybe I wasn't even drifting off the mic. I could tell by the waveform. Tech talk. <laughs> Okay. No, you were you you were turning your head and you, and your and your waveform was going down. I just oh. you know I didn't want to I didn't want people to be like I can't hear Pat that well or something. I don't want that either. You're an important part of the show, Pat. Whether you I believe it or not, show. I am this. So Bayo comes in and what happens? The mi- mystery, who's one of this society's leaders, uh, in a challenge with the author of the book, get Scott Bayo's girlfriend's phone number. In front of Scott Baio. It's like a, a, a act one high point of the book. <laughs> they get Scott Baio's girlfriend's number. And when they were going into such detail on it that only then did I start to feel stupid for, for listening to this book. <laughs> but I've been enjoying it. 
Now, do you listen to it like American Psycho style, like while you're working out? Uh, you know, sometimes while really... walking around the neighborhood, but nothing, nothing serious. No, no. The, I... And it's read by the author, who's Neil Strauss. So he's like, I was drowning in pussy. I couldn't get enough pussy. It's like, all right. It's uh, he's just got like not the most Lothario voice. What and else? Uh, it's it's all disturbing to me. What else did Neil Strauss write? I think he also wrote The Dirt. It which sounds is disturbing. A, an amazing book. Why? Yeah. Is the and mo- then you can tell he's trying to cover his tracks now. So he'll be like, I fucked two sisters on the same Wednesday afternoon. And then I'll be like, but when I got home and looked in the mirror, I didn't like what I saw. So that like now when he meets a woman, she'll be like, oh, he's changed. So that that part of it I don't care for. He keeps trying to cover up his bad behavior by being like, I, I was too deep into the society. Well, I think that's what the arc of the book is. Yeah. I, I, I got this supposed at, at trophy and I felt terrible. Yeah, right. I, exactly. You said I won, but I lost. But at what cost? Yeah. Uh, I, ju- I jumped ahead. Yeah. And then he goes, uh, your soul ain't no price tag higher than the one on that baby. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's like a way the Sinatra would maybe say it. Right. Who probably also had fucked two sisters on many Wednesday afternoons. Yeah. He More just than went once. up to a hotel room with what he said is the most beautiful woman he's ever seen. And he's about to uh, make love to her. And her feet smell so horrible that he has to run out of the apartment. I mean, it's, the book's just trash. That's a weird... Uh, her feet smell so horrible? Now, do you think that was... He tried to class it up? Yeah. Do you think that's what that was? And the and the publishers were like, look, dude, this is... Too, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just pray it was her feet. <laughs> I feel bad for the lady either way. Yeah. I mean, he uses names. I, I assume they're fake, but... He'll be like, gotta be, right? But he'll say things like, I mean, this was Miss December 1986. Like, you can Google it. (laughs) Or, I couldn't believe I was on a date with Scott Bayo's ex wife. And you can find out who she is. Not anonymous (laughs) sources. Oh, boy. A lot of of Bayo material in the book. What, what, What is the obsession they have with Bayo? I mean, it, and it wasn't even written that long ago, but they, they talk about him like he's the toast of the town or something. Like uh, Estevez and Night at the Roxbury. Um, look, I, he probably was at one point, right? Yeah, but I think it was the Charles in Charge days. Or the Joni th- Loves Chachi I days. I feel like after Charles in Charge, he still had a... Remember when they did Scott Baio was 50 and not... Or 40, whatever the fuck that show was called. Yeah. I feel like between Charles and Charge and that, he probably still had a nice run around town where people were like, Charlie's here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he was like the guy that. How are you, Mr. Bayo? Yeah. Park your car, Mr. Bayo. So. News, news of the day, Mr. Bayo. <laughs> That's a, a paper boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he would. <laughs> Suck your dick, Mr. Bayo. Hey, yo, Mr. Bayo. Mr. Bayo, please let me suck your dick. <laughs> Mr. Mrs. Scott Bayo, look the, at me. Look the, look at me. Let me suck your dick. The papers just ain't selling no more. <laughs> the publishing industry is crashing. Yeah. 
I'll suck your dick for money, Bayo. It doesn't even have to be much money. I believe. I know you're good for it. Also, now the the boy from Charles in Charge came out and said that Bayo had like yeah. somehow done something terrible to him. Well, I, I don't think it was a molesting thing. It was more like he like pulled his pants down to got make him a fun hooker of, or something. It was something crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which reminds me, Joe, why did you ask Scott, Scott Bayo to do what he did? <laughs> Tell him to do what he did. Smooth as silk. Smooth as silk. He lives. He leaves it all in the writer's room, <laughs> and he comes here and gives me his leftovers. I do. I. I uh, yeah, working, th- thinking that much on a hangover, I, I am pretty spent. But how'd you feel today? I didn't feel great. Pat, I'm not going to lie to you. I had a glorious day today. Oh, okay. Now, I leave town Friday, as you know, for a month. And while the cat's away, <laughs> the rat <laughs> will pray. Yes. Uh, I leave safe return. Town Friday for a month. So I kind of cleared today and yesterday so we could get the episodes done we need to get done. Yeah. I mean, today and tomorrow, excuse me. Yeah. So we get the episodes done we need to get done so I can also do my laundry, get my hair cut, get everything packed, run any errands, you know, all that bullshit. I had to get con a certificate to fly. From the vet, all that crap. But uh, today, I had gotten much more of it done than I realized, and I woke up, and I was like, it was overcast. That that I liked. It yes. was beautiful. And this apartment's great, too, because if I shut my blinds mm-hmm. and turn just the kitchen light on, it creates an illusion that it's just overcast outside in here. So I did that anyway to to really amp it up. Sure. And then I I just laid around with Khan, man, and we watched TV. I went to the supermarket at like 8 a.m. Okay. I was up at 7.30, so I wasn't hungover. Bought taco stuff. Okay. Baked a chicken. Made mm-hmm. Khan his food for the next two days. I ate some of the chicken, folks. It was delicious. Now, was it because when you were eating it, you, you, you seemed underwhelmed, and it hurt me a little I bit. I was whelmed. <laughs> Who's saying I'm not whelmed? I'm whelmed. I mean, I don't know if I'd say I was overwhelmed, but I'm certainly whelmed. I was thinking of a great, uh, this is, that's a great Seinfeld thing. Yeah. Type style thing. Here's a great Seinfeld thing. And I thought of this last night because when they were given the speech before they showed the first episode, like a couple times, uh, I guess it was Rob McElhenney during his speech about like what the show means to him and everything. A couple times he said, so without further ado, right. episode one, and then he'd like be like, oh, yeah, and he'd talk more. Yeah. And I just was picturing Seinfeld going, this is a do. <laughs> you promised there wasn't going to be any further ado. A do, you know what that word means. I don't think you a do. <laughs> Calls it back at the end. Yeah. It's a- <laughs> well, folks, uh, I bid you do. Walks off, comes back. Now, here I am again. <laughs> See, you feel cheated, don't you? I said, I bid yeah. you do. The light bulbs start exploding over the stage. <laughs> um, oh, shit. Why don't you take us on down to... Uh, to Pat's Movie Corner, Joe? Yeah. Well, 
I want to single out a show I mentioned last week. I want to single out Jenny McCarthy and Chris Harvick. Why'd you tell him to do what he did, Joe? <laughs> um, I want to oh, talk. I thought you were really saying you watched Single Out again. No, 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 no. It's like, I, Jesus Christ. I finished. I'd like to single out the okay. show, Sharp Objects. So I mentioned it last week that I had seen the first four. I've now seen the final four. And not only was it fucking great, but by the end, I would say it applies for this podcast. Oh, I really? I won't reveal much more than that. I'll just okay. say this thing was darker than I even expected. So for four hours, it's basically a woman driving around drinking vodka. Well, I mean, then things get like super thrillery and interesting and good and fucked up. Great. Really loved it. Like it was impossible for us to stop watching it. Amy Adams was killer in it. I love Amy Adams. Chris Messina, again, not great. Also did not need to see your erect penis or whatever the hell was going on. It looked like some sort of fake machine. And who plays Amy Adams' mom when she's young? Isn't it somebody famous? The girl from It. No, 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 the mom. Who plays the mom? Oh, uh, Patricia Clarkson. Yeah, there Who's you great. go. Wow, that's a fucking killer cast, man. It was a very, very good show. I liked it quite a bit. Patricia Clarkson was on, um, uh, what's that mm -hmm. show with the guy, Plead the Fifth, that YouTube thing? Plead the Fifth. Do you know what I'm talking about? Sounds made up. It's like some YouTube talk show with celebrities, and at the end of it, he's like, it's time to Plead the Fifth. And he asks people, like, racy questions. Okay. But and then she, what, if you don't want to answer him, you say Plead the Fifth? You can, you can Plead the Fifth to one question. Okay. But that's the one where uh, uh, I believe it was Burt Reynolds. They go, "Who do you think the most overrated actor is?" And he goes, "Clint Eastwood." Like they they kind of say some shit. Yeah, like, you're like, "Whoa, all right, right." But she was on, and he was like, "Who was the best kisser you ever had?" And she was like going off about this young dude that she made out with on a recent project. Yeah, and she's like, "He was so good. Oh, he's going to see this. He's going to hate me for saying it." <laughs> Uh, she's a saucy. She's a saucy lady. I like her a lot. All right. But then he also asked her who was the worst. And he's man, fuck. That was the good one because that's the gossip. But I can't remember who she said. But that oh. was actually a famous person. Well, at least there was a lot of buildup to uh, <laughs> no punchline at all. Well, I like to do it David Lynch style. <laughs> all build, no payoff. Sure. Speaking of which, Debatable. I uh, folks. I'm nine episodes into Castle Rock. By the time this episode airs, I will have finished the series. It's only ten episodes. Go on. <sighs> I, I don't know, man. I, I was really on board, as I said, when we reviewed the first four or five. Um, they, they, they started to take a real dip. Some very, very self-indulgent episodes that kind of didn't further the story by much. Look, if they took a dip, I know I'm out because I thought they were boring as shit for you, the first you, five. You'd be out, dude. Yeah. You'd be out. And now at the end Board of episode tears. nine, yeah. there was a pretty cool reveal twist thing that happened with the story that made you kind of understand what was happening. Right. But it was just two Twin Peaks. It was Twin Peaks. It's getting too into like there are many realities and there are this and that. And it's like that's what they did on the new Twin Peaks. Yeah. And it's like. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was kind of interesting when they did it on Twin Peaks. I thought it was much more appropriate. Sure. But you've got a show called Castle Rock. Stephen King is executive producing. You've got the right 
to 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 cherry pick this guy's fucking amazing catalog of work. That's exactly what was frustrating. The hell Why out are of you me. turning it into like a David Lynchian kind of thing? Make yeah. it a fucking horror show. Like it's. I think comparing it to David Lynch is too generous. I mean, it was just slow. Well, that's but that's exactly it was it. But at this point, it feels like I'm watching the old twin, the, the new Twin Peaks, right? Where you're just like, man, parts of this were cool, but what the fuck, guys? We have one episode left. What? What? Where is this going? Yeah. So. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm going to finish it because it's only one more episode. Maybe they'll redeem it in the end. But I, I got to tell you, too, when I hear there's a Castle Rock anthology show coming out, I get excited because I think every week it's going to be a really cool Twilight Zone, Tales from the Crypt type of horror story that happens in this weird town. Yeah. But now, because for some fucking reason, anthology means an entire season which is stupid. Right. That's not anthology. I'm sorry. It's not. Uh, it, it's That's what this was. So I'm like, uh, okay, I don't know. I guess so. People, uh, uh, I'm, I'm disappointed. So you've seen 9 of 10 and... 9 was very good because it finally answered questions. Uh-huh. But the, the answers to the questions, I was like, God damn it, man. This is all this was the whole time? Like, like... That, that's kind of cool and clever, but like right. it's not Stephen King to me. Right. There was one thing that people got very excited about, and it didn't pay off, and I doubt that it will. Um, he says they established that they think um, Skarsgård, Bill Skarsgård, is the devil. And when who's the guy that played the uh, sheriff and Sissy Spacex boyfriend? Uh, the old guy. It's yeah, why like, can't I think of his name? Your fucking mother is in a bad shape. Why can't I think of the man's name? I don't know. I never knew his name until this show. Oh, uh, Scott Glenn. Yeah, so from the right stuff. Jesus Christ. He meets Bill Skarsgård's character in the in the woods. Yeah, and he's like, I remember you. Yeah, I remember that. And he says, twenty seven years went by, and you have an age today. And then all these theories popped up online. 27 years. It's Bill Skarsgård. He also plays Pennywise. Is this going to be a huge fucking it tie-in? Right. And I was like, holy shit. That's why I would have gotten back in. That would have been awesome. Yeah. But uh, it doesn't appear to be yeah. the case. Just a coincidence. Well, I mean, I guess they could tie in that it's 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 the evil occurring every 27 years. It's just not it, you know, whatever the fuck. I don't know. Uh-huh. Because they do keep hammering home this idea of the tragedies of this town that have happened. Right. So maybe it'll sort of tie into it, but I, I don't know, man. I don't know. All right. Anyway. I saw Black Klansman, finally. Loved it. It's a great film. Great film. I thought the only bit that started veering into cartoony character territory for me was the guy from i Tanya playing the fat dumb clansman yeah so i was like funny 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 to a point and then there's like scenes of such tension that we don't need this guy farting and falling out of a chair i was like what why are we letting this go on to this extreme in a few spots and i'm talking about one very minor criticism of a otherwise fantastic movie that's interesting he he didn't bother me my friend Teresa and i saw it and she said we we both had the same opinion. We were like, 
that was a very sad character because you could tell it was a guy that just so desperately wanted to impress any group of people right. and be accepted, and he and this is the one he fell into. Yeah. So I, I just kind of took it like that, but that's a fair that's a fair criticism. I, I'll have to keep an eye out for that the next time I watch. I even it. liked him most of the time. I just like near the end there were there were spots where I was like, all right, we could have reined that in a, a skosh. Now, did you also find the casting of Nick Totoro <laughs> confusing? I was. B- <laughs> As baffled, even though I was prepped for it by you, I was baffled by it. Just didn't make any sense. It makes no sense. Like, put him on the force. Obviously, you you promised this guy you, you'd give him a part for money or something, but yeah. put him on the police force. He could have been the supervisor. The guy that's like, I wouldn't go to that meeting. You know? Yeah, he could have been that, that guy. That guy was good, yeah. They had the old cop that was like the smart mouth guy. He could have been that guy. There was a, you know, he could have been the dirty cop that's that was the racist. That guy uh, was good, though. Huh? That guy was good, though. Everybody that guy was, was really, really good. good. Great casting. Great, great. I'm picture. a fan of that guy that plays the chief. Yeah, and he's I don't great. remember even what the fuck I've seen him in, but I just know that yeah, I like familiar him. face. Uh, I, was a, I was a big fan. Adam Driver was great. Washington was great. Great. I'm glad. Uh, a great time. Great glad soundtrack. You just it it made me feel like it had been a year since I had seen a very good movie. Well, that's, yeah, and I felt like that, and that's why I was just really trying to drive home the point of, to me, it's the best thing he's made since, like, it's up there with, like, Malcolm X and Do the Right Thing. It's, like, one of his really great, entertaining, and challenging movies. Sure. And it was classic Spike Lee, and I forgot how much I missed that because I hadn't seen it in so long. I really wanted them to kick the heavy woman, the wife, in the butt at the end. Wow, she's... I, w- I really she, wish somebody would have kicked her in the butt. That character, she is as unlikable as every Klansman is in that movie. She was... Yeah, she was awful. Yeah, but she's a great actor. Obviously, it's the Klan. They're all awful, but they really like spent time making her hateful. The uh, She's a great actor. Yeah, she was. That's, that's a, that was like one of those performances where it was like, if I was casting something, and I'd, I'd be like, I'd cast that lady on blind faith. Yeah, I and I didn't know where I'd seen her either. That's the first time I ever saw her. Used to be I'd look something up on IMDb. Now I just go, eh, I've seen her in something. <laughs> Keep staring forward. Um, let me th- I think I have one. Okay. Evil Speak is a horror movie from 1982, I believe, starring Clint Howard, okay. Ron Howard's younger brother. The loose plot. Also the star of The Ice Cream Man. I never saw The Ice Cream Man. It's a... Uh, Really bad horror movie. This had its moments. It it started with a lot of promise. It's your typical kid gets bullied, makes a deal with the devil to get revenge. Mm-hmm. I'd love to write one of those kind of horror movies. That they're, they're always fun. I really like Nine Seven Six Evil. It's not a good movie, but I like it. But yeah. uh, this is the same thing, basically. Um, it preceded it, but it opens with this satanic cult led by Richard Mull. Bull from Night Court? Yeah. Okay. Which, it's funny. I grew up on Night Court, so I always thought of him as a comedy guy that sometimes did dark stuff. It's the complete opposite. Like, everything else I've seen him in, House, um, Dungeon Master, this, he's always playing like a fucking creep. Right. But uh, but he's good at it. Um, <clears throat> anyway. I always found Bull a creep. I, I never liked Bull. A creep? 
I just I liked everyone on on that cast, and Bull was always kind of a yeah. I didn't he didn't sit right with me. Freaked was, me out a little bit. He was just dumb. I wasn't a fan. I'm I didn't like his face. If I can be honest with you. Oh wow! He looked like a thumb. Didn't like him. Wow. Sorry. All right. Well, anyway, there's the satanic cult, and you know, hundreds of years later, at this prep military school. Clint Howard discovers like the sort of remnants of this cult underneath his school, their old altar and their their old book of black magic and all that, and somehow gets the uh, compute an old computer that's been sitting down there to like be part of the ritual to like starts kind of asking the computer, commanding it to to to, to answer him questions about Satan and stuff, and then it starts to. I kind of missed how that happened, but um, but anyway, eventually, you know, he wants to get revenge on everybody, and he does. They, he has a puppy at one point, and they kill it. That's, that was enough for me. I was on the devil's side from that point on. Sure. Uh, some very, very dark moments in the movie, some very scary moments, freaky moments, I should say, but overall, not a very good movie. Okay. Um, yeah. Kind of boring. It was sort of like Prince of Darkness. It's a lot of time in the basement with the computer, and the devil's going to show up, or is he? And you know, but anyway, does the devil show up? About that, what's that? Does the devil show up? Uh, I think I think yeah. At one point, Clint Howard's face turns into like the devil's face, and then it turns back or something. Okay. Um, we're at the 37 minute mark. Yep. Why don't I shuffle us over to Joe's scary stuff? Please do. And then we can get to our review. Um, well, people, (laughs) do I have one this week? I thought I did. Uh, what was I going to do this son of a bitch? (laughs) What the hell was I going to do this week? Oh, I know what I was going to do. So I'm going to Japan. And Japan is a huge, huge video game district. Uh, And I'm very excited about that. And there's a game that I'm going to try to buy while I am there that was never made available. Well, it was recently made available in the States as a reproduction. But I, uh, for the Famicom, which is the Japanese Nintendo Entertainment System, and I have one of those coming in the mail as we speak... Uh, but there is a horror adventure game in the vein of Castlevania called Holy Diver. Uh, I can only assume named after the Dio record, which is pretty sweet and awesome. Hold me closer, Holy Diver. That's not it, but right? No, that's right? Tiny Dancer, isn't it? Is that Tiny mm-hmm. Dancer? See, I get Tiny Dancer mixed up with uh, Private Dancer. I'll be a private (laughs) dancer. Dancing for money. Do what you want me to do. My friend Nick used to do that at karaoke in college, and it it almost killed me. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It's a hot song. Uh, He would dance around to it, too. He'd get into it. Um, Private Dancer.
anyway, I'm super psyched. That is my mission when I'm in Japan to find this old horror adventure game, Holy Diver. And to buy it. Holy driver. And then bring it home and play it on my Famicom. That will be waiting for me because it came in the mail. And that's your scary stuff. Look up clips of it. It's pretty cool. There's also a new game out called The Messenger that's like sort of a nod to Ninja Gaiden and and the fantasy ninja type games on the NES. And that just came out. Um, I'll be purchasing that for the flight over to Japan to play on my Switch. But that game looks pretty fucking excellent so there's your scary stuff well as always i don't play video games um that segment to me drags a bit wow um wow but i uh i have a scary stuff thing and maybe if i just keep doing the actual dvds we're talking about on this show i'll keep doing this segment correctly but I watched the Firestarter documentary on the uh, Scream Factory edition of Firestarter, which right. I will be selling immediately. <laughs> and you're, doing, you're doing the segment wrong, but okay. It was like a 90-minute uh, documentary about the making of Firestarter, and it contained this nugget that the director, who is featured all over this thing, they don't really get any of the stars, but they get, like, the stunt doubles and stuff like that. Oof. Stunt doubles actually had the best anecdotes of anybody in those things. It was, it was a very boring documentary. But this guy, Mark L. Lester, who directed it, he goes, Yeah, you know, I had met this lovely writer. They said, Do you know a writer? I said, I do. And I gave him the book, and within three weeks, he had finished reading the book and had written a 300-page script. <laughs> And he said he included every moment from the book. Basically, just transcribed the book into a screenplay form. And I said, we can't do this. We, we simply can't do this. So he whittled it down, and I said, now let's hang on to it and not turn it into the studio for about a month so it seems like it took you a long time, or they won't think you even tried on it. <laughs> and then you watch the movie, and it's like, yeah, he didn't. Maybe he could have used that month you were pretending to write the script to write the fucking script. And what a perfect segue. It's a, it was a, into such a bad movie. Film of this week, Firestarter, which Pat and I always thought, as we've discussed off mic, that this was like a classic. I thought it was like Cujo or, you yeah. know, like one that's not a classic, but one that, you know, is, is a really entertaining horror movie. And then you also have the 80s like cheese factor that makes these movies really fun. The music. So I see Tangerine Dream did the music. I'm like, yep. oh, sweet. The score sucked. Yeah, you there were hear... no fun costumes in it. I got one for you on that. When I first moved to L.A., I bought that fucking Tangerine Dream soundtrack, having never seen the movie, for $30 on vinyl, Yeah, having never heard it, just thinking, it's not good. how could it be bad? It fucking sucks. I sold it within two weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's not um, good. This movie fucking sucks. I couldn't it believe it. It doesn't make sense. From the jump, it does not work and it does not make sense. Now, let's start with this killer cast. You got Drew Barrymore. You got George C. Scott. I, I, my jaw hit the floor when I saw George <laughs> C. Scott. You got Martin Sheen. Now, let me put a quick pause on George C. Scott. Because I texted you when I saw it. I looked up Ebert's review of Firestarter, which was not a positive review. 
But he at one point he goes, this movie has, and he lists like 800 things, and he goes, and somehow it's still boring. One of the things he mentions is George C. Scott as a Native American child molester. And I watched the movie and I was like, they don't mention he's a child molester. So I Google the book. He's not a child molester in the book. So also, what? he's not Native American either, is he? <laughs> I don't know where Ebert got this, but it was it was kind of nuts. He, uh, he is wearing a ponytail, which can sometimes <laughs> lead you to believe Native American. The uh, uh, it, look, you want to talk weird child molester vibes? I texted you twenty minutes into watching this thing. I was like. Seems like the dad is flirting with his daughter the entire time. I didn't pick up on that, even watching for it when you said it. So you might have been in a in a mood. I, I was a little tipsy when I watched it, but that scene was odd to me when he goes, I'm crazy about you. And she goes, I'm crazy about you, Daddy. And then they kiss on the lips. It's weird. Okay. That's a weird thing to say to your kid. I'm crazy about you. I and then agree. she says it back. I agree. Uh I it, don't I don't disagree. Uh this this fucking movie. All right, let's. Oh, so obviously, it's about a little girl that can start fires. Pretty cool concept, and there are one or two cool scenes where Drew Barrymore does kind of go batshit, whatever. But I mean, it's basically just Carrie. It's Carrie. Yeah. Though the ending is just pure. It's Carrie outside, which yeah. is a less interesting Carrie because you're not in, confined and people yeah. you know aren't dying. It's all uh, these strangers dying. And I am a Stephen King fan. But this movie has my number one Stephen King pet peeve where he feels that he has to explain it through some sort of government project. Yeah. Immediately takes you out of any horror realm you could have been in. Now you're into sci-fi. Now there's like there's a method to the madness and it's not just this freaky thing that's that's weird and confusing and it's the explanation just sort of makes the like, like so she can start fires with her mind. Her dad can control other people's minds. The, her mom can what was what was her thing? Heather Locklear. I can't even remember. Heather Locklear's in this thing for like six minutes. On the case, she's got uh, oven mitts lit on fires. So maybe she started oven fires or something. But I'm like, they all got sort of different powers in the same family just like right there it's stupid why did you read this book no i didn't either it's one of the few i have not read but it it just was stupid like nothing made sense scene to scene um why did george built zero tension throughout except after i read that review i kept waiting for george c scott to molest the girl why did george c scott want her to kill him at the end he says that at the one point like martin sheen's like what are you going to do and he talks about how he's going to like basically try to break her neck and kill her yeah because they're afraid she's going to get out in the world or something which well, that's like if I, I the only way i can kill her is to break her nose or there was some weird yeah he's going to shove her nose up into her brain and he said as i will do that she will like set me on fire hopefully my death will be quick and then I can bring her power into the next one. I was like, what the fuck is which, this guy talking which about? Which he just knows. <laughs> He's sitting there explaining what he knows will happen. It was ter- it was terribly written. That's why when I re- saw that anecdote from the script, you can say I couldn't believe he turned in the draft for the script in three weeks. If you made a masterpiece, don't, you don't say it about Firestarter. Or everybody will be like, yeah, take the time. Also, why did they want to kill her? 
I thought they wanted to use her as a weapon. I maybe she got. I guess she got out of hand. I mean, she was blowing a lot of shit up at the end. No, but this was before that. I don't. I don't. I. The, I, I stopped paying attention. To be completely honest with you, it's. it's a, it was an insult. The movie was <laughs> was insultingly bad. And that's saying a lot. When everything when is you're blowing discussing up, Drew Barrymore movies, yes. she's been in some real doozies, folks. She has. A lot of direct-to-video stuff in the '90s. When everything is blowing up at the end, that was a well-done stunt sequence. There were some cool fireballs. But yeah, that's it, all I can give it. It's unfortunately early '80s though, so every time you'd see a guy that's caught on fire, suddenly he's a six foot five, three hundred pound man because right. they've got him wrapped in all the fucking. You know, the flame protect retardant shit or whatever it is. Sure. Um, but, yeah, that sequence at the end was cool. Seeing the fire come up out of the ground. Like, the part where she, like, kind of was making the car, the cop cars explode was pretty cool. But to me, it would just be so much more intriguing if it was just, I have a daughter and we're drifters because she has this fucking weird power that she can't control. Right. And I have to protect her. And we don't know why she has it or where it came from. That, to me, is so much cooler than... It's kind of like Logan. Yeah. A bit. Yeah. Well, that's what, and that's what Carrie is. Right. But in this, you, I guess he was like, well, I already did Carrie. Shit. All right. Well, this one, she's, she's from the government. She's a girl, little girl, younger than Carrie. <laughs> yeah, this is up there for me with, like, maximum overdrive. This is... Uh, this this is was a, bad. Stephen King's story I have no interest in. I, I just don't give a shit. You know, Silver Bullet kind of has some camp value to it. Silver Bullet is better than this movie. It's it's like one Silver of the worst Bullet. Stephen King adaptations. Uh, yeah, it's up there. In fact, hey, what, what, or did we blow it out on this? I was going to say, what if our next episode is we discuss the worst Stephen King adaptations? We've been doing that. We Did just, we already kind of do it just now? I think so. All right. I already got a Q&A set up. Oh, okay. Sorry. I forgot about that. Uh, so our next one will be a Q&A, folks. Well, this bonus app will be a Q&A. Bonus app, yes. Um, we might be one episode short in October, guys. We apologize if that's the case, but uh, we'll try to double up one week or something. But um, my, I'm just going to be away. Uh, oh, no, that's after this. Okay, yeah. See, I don't even know when the this comes out in like. Oh Christ! I don't know what's happening. October. I think I don't know. I don't know. God damn it! <laughs> I think this might be the last week of September. If this is, if this, <laughs> if this comes out before the last weekend of September, and you live in Atlanta, uh, please come watch me tape my new hour. I'm, I'm shooting and, and recording my new hour. Hour. I'm doing it. I'm releasing it as an album exclusively to Sirius XM. Uh, and we're doing it in Atlanta at the Earl on the last Sunday of the month. It's the, I believe it's the 30th or something of September. Uh, two shows, 7 and 9.30. And it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. It's for the Red Clay Festival. Uh, please come out if you live in the area and uh, be a part of that. If this came out, if this podcast comes out after the end of September... Well, I don't know what to tell you, but just in case, I want to get that plug in. Joe DeRosa okay. Comedy on Instagram, <clears throat> and that's it for me. I am at the Patrick Walsh on Twitter and Instagram. 
I am running the television show Cool Kids, which is likely airing now on the Fox Network, co-created by Charlie Day of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia fame, starring David Allen Greer, Vicki Lawrence, Martin Mull, and Leslie Jordan. It's a very funny show. It'll be on Friday nights, 8.37.30 Central. I also appeared on the extremely funny podcast, Hollywood Masterclass, which is a spinoff of Hollywood Handbook, uh, hosted by my friend Sean Clements and Ben Rogers. I listened to it on the way over. I was cracking myself up. It's nice to be with an equal sparring partner in a podcast, you know? <laughs> Just a comedy equal. Uh-huh. You know, uh, for once. Well, that's good that you found somebody that could dumb it down for you. <laughs> ah, folks. <coughs> there you um, go. But Hollywood Masterclass is a spoof of like these Judd Apatow and all those different Masterclass things. Oh, that's great. And I got to come on and be like the comedy expert. And the whole the whole guidance you get is basically like be condescending to this <laughs> aspiring comedian. And uh, Tell you it was a real good time, and I was I was I was really laughing. You can get a free trial of Stitcher Premium if you want to listen to it. Uh, they got great stuff in there. I think are we on Stitcher? We are. I have no idea. I think you can find us there too. So anyway, uh, Hog House page on Etsy for the merch. Our live shows are October twentieth to that night. Oh, but to they're sold night. out. So seven thirty and nine thirty currently sold out. There might be more tickets, but. As of now, there aren't. Right. It might have already passed. We don't know. <laughs> um, but, yes, uh, thank you all for your loyal fandom. We'll see you next time, and we'll see you in hell. But hold on there, Patty. Don't think we forgot your shout-outs for the month of September. Here they are, Anthony V. Manito. A.K.A. Party McFly, Chuck Egg, Sean Florin, Danny Rudd, Natalie Hartline, Scott Connor, Leo Lopez, A. Ali, Catherine Russell, Emily Rock, Scuthew, Nick Mascara, Dave Del Greco, Kurt Ziegler, Tegan McLeod, Chloe Paget, Michael Wizet, Witset, pardon, Matthew Ross, Scott Burchett, Dennis Ormston, Travis Hines, John Weisengruber, Matthew McGuire, Angela Picaro, James O'Brien, Kamani Kamani Claude Felder, Claude Fielder, Claude, Kamani Claude Felder. Was that right? Let me know. Let me know if it was right. Your mic's off. (laughs) Patches said, uh, why did you tell Claude to Felder? Oh, I get it. Feeler like Felder. Pat's mic's off, but he's people, even when the mic's off, he's on. Matthew Moon, Jay Fisher, Sean Lyle, John Hollywood, Jake Jake McAlvane, Meredith McWilliams, Gregory Hassel, Jesse Janicki, Mike Greenwood, Brianna Alkire, Cole Rothacker, Matt, supportive guy, Martin Brandt. Oops, I said that last one wrong. Touche, Anthony Rodriguez, Chris Pasmore, or Passmore, whichever way you like it. Casey Jones, Sinji, Dermot, fuck you, Blade Runner was a great fucking movie. It wasn't, but I appreciate it. Robert Haynes, Natalie Hatley, 
Will Pittman, Kevin McNanny, Kevin Driscoll, Jen Wessels, Lewis Bell, Joe Hoffman, Scott Sweeney, Jay Miller, Clayton Stamper, Amanda Lancaster, Michael Bolas, Ethan Ga- Gamage, 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 James Gilrolamo, Derek Adams, Sean Hall, Adam Lounsbury, Brett Frangella, Toby Bell, Vincent Franks, Joseph Regoza, Steve Burton, and Anna DeMario, Bo, just plain Bo, just plain Bo, Aaron Roberts, Scott John, Ben Meddy, Kevin Eason, Rich Tillman, Sarah Catherine, Paul Murchie, Scott Sweezy, Cara Conini, right? Joshua Taj Bozeman, Chuck Andrews, Neil Dalby, Tom Laverick, Tucker Rouch, Rouch, excuse me, Tucker Rouch, John Smith, Edmund Agabo, A. N. Andrew, Brian Belaurier, Bolaurier, that's it, Brian Bolaurier. Guys, by the way, if I fuck your name up, it's please know that I'm not like making fun of your name in any way. Uh, I just. It, I just have a hard time reading names sometimes. Uh, Will Helms, Jennifer Anna, Bryce Buckmaster, TJ Monholan, Melissa Alvarez, Jake Bullock, Trans... Trans... What the fuck? Trans just religion, zerofoxtrot.com, you fucks. Hashtag trans just religion, zerofoxtrot.com, you fucks. I guess go to that website if you want. Matt Crawford, Jenna, Richard Deming, Brian Callis, Tim Drain, Michael Madrigal. Visit Mr. Suit Records in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Richard Howenstein, Britton Fraser, Sean, Luke Fiziak, Karen Kilgariff. Listen to her podcasts, My Favorite Murder, and Do You Need a Ride? Tyler Sanderson, Joey Mueller, Shelby L., Nathan Basket, Gary Myron, Syrod, Dylan Lahr, Phil Borrell, Edmund Dillon, The Black Magic Ninja, Scott, Pauline Cyril, Patrick Baxter, Daphne Kellogg, Ryan Martz, Tristan Avery, Hunk Masterson, Richard Ironman, Matthew J. Brown, Julie Aguirre, Charity Ferguson, Hank Gustafson, Nick Walther, Alex C., Alexander Stein, Tyler Keatley, Emily Marvel, John B. Watt. Go to John's, uh, 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 what the hell is that place called? Etsy store. Uh, uh, Maury Benjamin, Nicholas Burns, Alex Nelson, Jeremy Cool, Derek Clark, Alex Shipley, Sean Pinnock, Amanda Liebson, Timothy Letso, Shane Nazarene, Smelly Bubbles, Samantha Kiefer, I Love You, David Bellinger, Hunter McDonald, Justin Bohager, Adam Bembenek, Manny Rios, Demonio Rubio, Brandon Gash, Jake Farot. Rob Lines, Jacob Barrett, Jordan C., Maxwell Ashcroft, Ryan Kohler, Barb Allen, Jonathan Face, Rebecca Cohen, Chris Bowen, Mike Gibbons, Donye Joyce, Michael Dawson, Jennifer Smith, Connor Dennehy, Stephen Kapa, Kalpa, sorry, Stephen Kalpa, Kevin Swistowitz, Anthony J. Guajardo, Annie Johannesson, Timmy Kay, Megan Librand, Scott Blickensdurfer, Alec Walker, Brett Wemmer, Tristan Carlson, Laura Sexton, Anthony Guajardo. There's two Anthony, and it's two different people. Look at that. Weston Thomas Veedhill, Jared Blair, Josh Smallridge, Ricky Verdugo, Chris Hooper, Emily Florence. Everybody show Emily a lot of love for all she does for this show. 
because without her, we'd be nothing. Sean L., Dave Comerick, Levy Manuel, Kim D'Angelo, Jonathan Gallette, Michael McBee, Stephanie Power, Sterling Abrigo, Diego Campos, Steven, Stefan Musau, Zoe Blaskovic, Azel Kivensland, Dan McLeod, Lorenz Bunganiers, Alejandro Salgado, Papa Spoosh, Tracy Reddington, Sean Thomas, Amanda Alzamora, Jason Weibel, Mike Curry, Drew Spindler, Andrew Koval, Sam Mitchell, Aaron Milanowski, Scott Nolan, Jack Gertz, Ben, Misty Zavar, Molly, oh, excuse me, Molly Russell's Wart, Dajne Wilford, Johnny Ferg, Matthias Paljo, Mike Michelle Gold, Danielle Dewar, Eric Lamora, Kevin Marcinek, Lawrence Anderson, Jared Smallridge, Will Potorf, Natalie Craig, Kyle Kinsland, Monty, 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 Ani Babaduk, Scott Patton, August Rydell, Paul Pickerel, Rage, last name sounds Asian. Was that one? Was that a new one? I don't know. Beth Gaston, Julie Bailey, Michael Aiello, Aiello, Reed Aesthetic, and Max Unrath. You guys are amazing. Thank you for your support. We love you. We'll see you next time. We'll see you in hell. It's a good show.